welcome on into Moving the Chains, Episode 7. Can't believe we've done seven of these already. Happy to be with you guys for another week. Joined this week by Will Greer, uh, repeat guest. Always happy to have you as always, Will. Thanks, man. Thanks. First time guest, Noah Kaufman, first year. Noah, how are you doing? We're excited to have you. I'm doing all right. Be doing better if Northwestern were to come away with one of those last two wins. Fair enough. Northwestern 1-2 against two top teams in the country, 0-2 against Wisconsin and Penn State. Uh, Let's start with recapping that Penn State game. Uh, I thought the scoreline was deceptive of how close this game was at times, but by no means did Northwestern deserve to be anywhere close in this game. Will, I'll start with you. You were on the call on play-by-play. What were your big takeaways? It's weird to admit, you kind of just alluded to it. Yeah, it was 10 to nothing at halftime, sure. Pretty late in the third quarter, it was still just a three-score game, but I don't think anyone ever felt like Northwestern was close in this game. It, you could just look at the score line and say it wasn't that bad, but it was probably worse than the score indicated, and you kind of knew pretty early on that unless Northwestern had a couple special teams plays, which we have not seen at all this year, or a couple turnovers, which Penn State is one of the best turnover margin teams in the country, uh, that would have probably been necessary for Northwestern to get back in this game. A flukish kind of development, a couple of flukish plays. They just didn't happen. Penn State does not beat themselves, and you could tell the Cats were just were just overmatched in this game. Yeah, the turnover margin was huge for me as well. It's, uh, I mean, it, especially at the start of the game when the Cats were able to drive the ball down at the very at the very beginning, and then just the turnover on third and goal. Although the the holding penalty and the sack that 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 led up to that were equally uh, equally bad. It just felt like from that point on, their off- the offense couldn't stop getting in its own way. And even I mean, even when Penn State scored the touchdown to go up 10-0, it just felt like the way the offense had played to that point, something drastic had to change. And with what I saw with the offense in the Wisconsin game, it didn't seem like any drastic changes were forthcoming. So it just, like Will said, it just didn't seem like they were ever really in it. You have the ultimate game manager in the country in Trace McSorley. How many times do we see Thorson nearly get picked off versus McSorley? I can't recall one pass that was even remotely close to being intercepted out of the hand of McSorley. Just that kind of quarterback. And he's not going to really give you a chance to get back in the football game via turnovers. Yeah, and I think with the Wisconsin game, Northwestern had those turnovers that didn't capitalize on. It wasn't the same way against Penn State. Yep. And the problem was, when that's the case, you got to keep pace in the first half. you got to match the scores. And as you said, Noah, Northwestern leaving points on the board. They had the first and goal, holding penalty interception. That one big Justin Jackson carry was called back for an offensive face mask. It was just frustrating. And I feel like once that game got to two scores, like Northwestern offense wasn't going to keep up. Yeah, I mean the offensive line just got thrown around, uh, and when you know when when you're dominated on the you know they they did a good job on the defensive side in the trenches, but when you're dominated that thoroughly uh, at the line of scrimmage on just about every offensive play, um, it's gonna it's gonna just create havoc for Clayton Thorson, and even when and it create it makes it so that even when he's not being constantly pressured, he just he gets happy feet. He throws it too quickly. He doesn't go through his reads, and we saw that. I mean, 15, 19 of 36, pardon me, for 142 yards and two interceptions. That just shows, I mean, when he was completing passes, they were checkdowns. And, and almost half his passes were incompletions. He still got sacked uh, four or five times. I think it was five was the, yeah. was the number. And it's just when that pressure starts so early on in the game, it's just nearly impossible for any college quarterback, and especially Clayton Thorson with – how much pressure he's seen over the last two years to to recover from that. 
And I thought, Noah, certainly feel free to disagree with me. I thought the offensive line looked a little better this week. Uh, I think some of the sacks, some of the hurried Thorson plays, you can credit to the Penn State secondary. I mean, this is a secondary. There are four seniors across, two quarterbacks and two safeties, a couple preseason, all Big Ten guys. There were coverage sack kind of plays in this game. Thorson just couldn't find a receiver, and receivers just couldn't find separation. And no line that's already not great was made to look even a little more not great in this game. Penn State defense, guys, serious, They're serious quietly defense. very, very good. It's Alabama number one, Georgia number two, Penn State number three in terms it's, of scoring defense. Yeah, they're, they're right up there. there. Top five yeah. in the nation. Their, pen, their secondary, I mean, you alluded to this, their secondary might be the best in the nation when yep. everything is said and done this year. I think they, it probably is. They are incredible right now. They're certainly hands down top five in the country right now. And, uh, I mean, we'll see how that goes as the year goes on. And, yeah, you're right. You know, the coverage was there. Um, Thorson had to fit the ball into tight windows a lot. He, he couldn't find anybody a lot. But I think that one thing, I mean, even with that great secondary, something that gets lost with this Penn State defense is that their line is just not that good. Coming into this game, they didn't have a single player with more than two sacks. And they were playing some pretty bad competition in those games. You know, Akron, uh, teams like... Georgia not, State. Georgia State. Not Power 5 teams. They had... They big, had the matchup with Pitt. Big winners over Charlotte, though. Yeah, it, it's it's. Sorry, that was a the Panthers. Georgia State. For, the, Georgia for State. those listening, that was an allusion to an earlier Will Greer lock of the week. Continue, Noah. Sorry. Anyways, th- this is not this is not a stud-filled defensive line. Now they had Sharif Miller. He had he had, he he's good in the run game, and he's an athletic he's an athletic guy. But he but even he hadn't been getting after the passer that much at the start of their season. And the fact that they were able to get as much pressure as they did, even when the coverage was spectacular shows something with the offensive line because they still weren't able to get that pressure with that spectacular coverage at the start of the season. So I, I, it wasn't the offensive line's worst game, uh, and especially coming off of the Wisconsin game, I mean, it almost had to be better than that. But I think it was kind of sneaky bad, if that makes sense, because sure. yeah. that Penn State defensive line is so well like hidden by that great secondary. I just don't think yeah. they're that good. There's a few more things to talk about that maybe we don't have time to. Northwestern, you know, you guys said their run defense was very good. Their D-line was good. They held Saquon Barkley to just negative one yards in the first half. Patty Fisher ejected for targeting. Godwin and Gobuke ejected for targeting. And then second half, the floodgates kind of opened on that defense. I'll ask you guys very briefly, did that matter, the outcome of this game, or what, was it just, a you know, already they were losing and that just hurt more? The game was over when the ejections happened. I guess the Fisher one would be the only one you could argue would have had an impact. It was it was seventeen nothing at the time of yeah. Fisher's. It was twenty four nothing at the time yeah, of Igbo Buques. Igbo Buques clearly was not that important. It'll be important when we talk about Maryland. Yes. but Fisher's. I thought he wasn't in on the big run that Barkley ripped off. It's true. Yes. I, yeah. yeah. I think it did. I think it did affect the run game. But one thing was, even up to that point, McSorley had been in that first drive in the second half before Fisher went out. McSorley had s- started to really get into that defense in terms yeah. of throwing the ball. He had a couple of big plays. They finally broke one of those underneath yeah. plays when Trey Williams missed a tackle. Um, yeah, it was. It, the floodgates were starting to open in the passing game even before Fisher yeah. left because Northwestern had been playing that sagging coverage all day long, and McSorley had been hitting those underneath throws all day long. And I think if something didn't give on the ground, something would have given through the air. I don't think, I'm not it wouldn't have been exactly the same, but I don't think Northwestern would have been able to keep the ball out of Penn State's hands, and I don't think they would have, like, I don't think they would have had that much pushback. Penn State has a great slot receiver. He also returns punts, DeAndre Tompkins. After Fisher went out, James Franklin had Tompkins run the mesh route right over the middle. 
about five out of six plays. We're watching it up in the broadcast booth. Sure, Austin it was incredible. Was very happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but but for sure, it, it, it was it was it was problematic without Fisher and and take advantage be, of the hole. That's what they yeah, did. They, they, they do that did too. very well. Um, the other thing I want to ask you guys is about that fourth and three play. Um, I don't know if it would have made a difference necessarily to the outcome of the game, but I feel like this is kind of emblematic of one of the problems with the offense. Is the play calling a problem? Is the blocking a problem? Who is to blame, and how can this offense get better? I just want to approach it with the lens of what clearly was a frustrating play to a lot of people who were covering the game in the discourse online. Yeah, I think something that's kind of frustrating about it is the fact that we've seen Northwestern these last two weeks really lock in on the short routes over the middle, the short routes to Dickerson, the routes that pick up two or three yards on first down that are not great at that time, but on a fourth and three play, clearly it's been a focal point of this offense, and then to not run one of those plays on fourth and three in plus territory, a little bit mind-scratching. From my understanding, too, the fact that something wasn't audible out of that if seemed that to makes be a sense. big. I mean, there were two defenders right to, there. Yeah, a big so, bone to pick with some of the daily reporters who asked this question at the press conference. It was very clear at the line that there were there was a blitz coming, and there were two defenders on that outside. And I did, and I, I so I originally, I mean, I saw the the yeah. Doctor Saturday on Twitter had a picture of that with yeah. the two guys off the edge, but. With Doles coming, with Doles pulling, yeah, they did outnumber. Over. It's his job to pull and take one of those guys out. They did outnumber the the Penn State defenders yeah. in, in yeah. the design of the play. Now, yeah. I don't think it was the necessarily the right play call for the situation, but if Doles does his job, which is not admittedly an easy job to do, the play still has a good chance of success. Now, I would have rather seen a short route. I would have seen rather seen something, even like a read option or something. Sure. I, I don't. I just don't yeah. like that. I don't like the speed option in a fourth down situation. I think it's better like on first down. I don't like the speed option with Northwestern's personnel on any down. Sure. Um, but Works we'll, a couple times against Wisconsin. True. It, it can work. I get the argument that you never know how one play will affect a game, but I think we would be fooling ourselves that's if true. we sat around here yeah. tonight and said that play yeah. changed That's why I, did, I didn't want to approach that play as one that changed the game, but just as a, a lens of something bigger. Let's sure. move on from the Penn State game. We're still talking Northwestern. Into this Maryland preview, uh, Northwestern on the road this Saturday, 2.30 p.m., a Maryland team that's sneaky good but has some not-so-sneaky quarterback problems. What are the keys, what are the big-picture issues that are going to be the most prescient this weekend for Northwestern to get back to 500? Here's one for you, and it doesn't have to do anything with what Northwestern's going to do on Saturday, but, but Maryland's quarterback predicament, their number one guy in spring practice, a guy named Caleb Henderson, Transferred from North Carolina. He was their guy all spring. He broke his foot. He's been out since, but he's recovering. He's very close to 100%. You have Max Bornschlager, their third stringer, who is not great. Passed for just 16 yards last week against Ohio State. But the guy who's, air quotes, the fourth stringer is really the first stringer. So we will see if Henderson is healthy enough to go. Bornschlager got concussed last week at Ohio State, so he might not be ready to go. That could open the window for Henderson. And now you have a guy in Caleb Henderson who, yeah, is the fourth stringer on the depth chart, but is really more like the first stringer. It's going to be a whole new Maryland offense. They have one of the best receivers in the country in DJ Moore. They have one of the best running backs in the country as well in Ty Johnson. This is an explosive, explosive group. They put up, I think, 43 on Texas week one. It's a Texas defense that is playing really, really good football, one of the best in the nation. Uh, if Henderson starts, guys, I think this is a completely different Maryland offense and maybe the best the Northwestern's faced all year. Yeah, it's, it's not it's good. saying something. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, I mean, this 
This Maryland offense has definitely has the weapons to to, to have some huge yeah. success. I mean, with Ty Johnson uh, as is as as the backfield mate of of potentially either Henderson or Bordenschlager, he's put up some numbers this year, and he's a he's a dynamic back. But and I I've talked about this uh, in in other places about the Wisconsin and the Penn uh, and Penn State, but this is another mediocre to bad offensive line so far this year. This is this is not they're not they haven't been great in terms of power rushing and they haven't been great protecting the quarterback especially on obvious passing downs. And Northwestern's defensive line especially last game really showed out. I mean the Miller brothers with a sack each. Gaziano with a sack, Goins with a sack. Those four guys are in the backfield a lot. Yep. I think this is a game that especially with Fisher and Igwebike out for the first half Northwestern's defensive line has to take control because if they don't take control, those weapons are just going to burn you. Maryland has so much speed, and with with those two guys out, they're gonna they, they have much more speed than the Cats. So the defensive line has got to take control for Northwestern to stay in control or at least re- relatively in control of the game. I think we've seen this defense be unable to get off the field on third downs. Yes. One of the worst third down defensive percentages in the nation in fact i have it right here it's number 107 of 130 they're giving up 45 percent conversions on third down is the northwestern defense so to your point noah there's perhaps a window to get some sacks to put maryland in second third and long bordenschlager too the guy who might start at quarterback the third stringer one of his biggest negatives is the fact that he holds on the ball for way too long tries to code through his progressions tries to make the perfect play to your point Noah, i think this d-line could have some serious pressure Try to sack Bordenschlager and make this Maryland offense operate out of third and 15 because we just haven't been able to see the Northwestern defense get off the field. It's been one of the biggest downfalls of this defense all year. And another key is even if they get to that third and short, Maryland, this is this is from Bill Connolly. This is a stat from Bill Connolly's uh, football study hall. They are 129th in power success rate in trying to run the ball up the middle in third and short in like a short yardage situation. This is... a Northwestern has to control third downs, whether it be third and long getting pressure or third and short, just being able to create push against an offensive line that has really struggled in those situations. And if they can get off the field on third down, like you talked about, whether it be long or short, this is a very winnable game, and the defense has to drive that. I want to flip it to the other side of the ball then. That was pretty good analysis of that matchup. Will Northwestern be able to move the ball? Their offense has clearly struggled uh, against every team that's not uh, winless uh, this season. Will Northwestern's offensive line show up? Will Justin Jackson have a big day? Will Thorson look like the Thorson we thought we were going to get at this beginning of this year? I think I think he'll he'll have a little bit more success. Uh, this is a Maryland defense that's that's certainly not as good as Penn State's. It's tough. I don't think any Big Ten defense right now is as good as Penn State's, uh, and they're not as good as Wisconsin's either. Um, they're they're about a league average defense so far. Uh, I think that Thorson can have some success. I, the offensive line is just going to struggle again. I don't think right now against any Big Ten defensive line with Big Ten athletes, they're going to have a lot of success unless something, again, drastically changes, which we haven't seen. But I do think Thorson is going to have a little bit more time, potentially some plays with better protection, and it, and receivers are going to be able to create more separation, which is going to be huge. I think Skoranek and, and, and Dickerson and Wilson and Nagel and these guys will at least get open more than they did against Penn State, which is which was practically none. So I think Thorson's going to have more success. I think the running lanes are going to be a little bit more open. Um, but it is going to be, it is it, again, with, with the offensive line struggling the way they have, it's, it's not going to be easy. Uh, you mentioned that this is a league average defense in Maryland. No, I would argue that they're, they're below average. They've given up quite a few points. The secondary is not there. They're giving up 421 yards of offense a game, which is 94 out of 130. So, 
I think especially after facing Wisconsin and Penn State in two straight weeks, as you just alluded to, it's going to be a major sigh of relief to, to face a defense that is not going to be in the backfield all that often, that doesn't really have the, the guys in the secondary to stop you either. Northwestern should be able to move the ball against this Maryland defense. Something else interesting from the S&P Plus rankings from, from Mr. Connolly, the Maryland defense is 128 out of 130 in sack percentage on passing down. So it sounds like exactly what it is on third and five or longer, on second and seven or longer, this Maryland team just unable to get pressure on the quarterback. So an offensive line in Northwestern's that has not been good may not really be tested this week, which is uh, should be a major sigh of relief. You can start running some more long routes down the field, start getting Jackson involved. Uh, the O-line might not be that much of a factor uh, negatively for Northwestern this week. And there are a couple keys on this on this Maryland defense to limit that. Uh, number one is linebacker Jermaine Carter. Uh, he's a senior, and he has, he has kind of been the focal point of this Maryland defense in terms of getting into the backfield. He has seven whatever categorizes run stuffs with four tackles for loss and two and a half sacks so far, which is pacing a Maryland defense that, as you did, as you said, has struggled in terms of pass rush and in ter- and against the running game they haven't been great either. He's if you shut this guy down, Carter, it, it'll it'll open the door because Maryland has not had a ton of individual sent, uh, success along that front seven. So he's a key for this Northwestern offense to stop. And like you alluded to, this is certainly a better, uh, worse defense than Wisconsin and Penn State. They are not very good. Um, it's it's a huge chance for Northwestern to, to make something happen. It's the worst defense in the conference in terms of points given up per game. They give up more than 36 points a game. It's 114 out of 130. So fingers crossed, Cats will be able to move the ball down the field. All right, well, it's time for some predictions. Will, I know you're on the call, so I won't hold you to it. Uh, as the host and... Uh, as a little bit of a biased person, I won't give my prediction. You can find it in this week's predictions piece if you want, although you won't be that surprised. Noah, however, you get to give a real and living prediction. How do you think it's going to go down uh, on Saturday? Man, I think it's going to be a barn burner. Uh, I think it's going to be a close one. I'm going to go with 28-27 final. Cats take it. Um, okay. It's going to be it's, it's going to be, be a fun. close one all the way through. They the, the game will stay very close for the whole game. I think some big a big stop. Down the stretch by the defense. Uh, defense comes up big. Jackson returns. Justin Jackson returns to form uh, with 130 plus rushing yards. Um, so sensing a big game for him and uh, some big sack days along the along the D line. Uh, well, that's what I see. We'll see how it goes. Um, that would certainly be fun for everyone as long as the Cats get that win. But who knows? Uh, make sure you tune in on Saturday. Will Greer, Austin Miller on the call. Zach Coons on the sideline. Uh, let's move on to the Big Ten, bounce around a little bit. Uh, the games have not been great, per se, so far, but we did get a good old-fashioned Big Ten monsoon fest last week. Michigan, Michigan State, big upset for the Spartans. What did we learn from this one, guys? Nothing. We learned nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we learned the top 25 AP voters are way too reactionary one of the most flukish games I've ever watched in my life. I mean, you heard the broadcasters talk about it. Whichever team had the lead before the monsoon came was probably going to win, and that's what happened. Michigan State won two quarters. They won the football game, and now, for some reason, that is beyond me. They're the 21st best team in the nation. I don't buy that at all. I think this is an absolute fluke game. Michigan's probably not as good as number seven, but, but Michigan State's probably... they're not as bad as number 17 either. Sure, yeah. They move, they get moved down all the way to number Michigan 17. is now wow. 17, which yeah. I think is harsh. 
I think they're right in that ten to thirteen range. I think I think they're about there. It, it's it was very reminiscent of last year's Notre Dame North Carolina State game, oh, which yeah. is also a really fluky game. Uh, although at least in this one, neither neither coach had his team do shotgun snaps on practically every down like Brian Kelly. Um, yeah, it was it was a fluky game. I had a lot of fun watching it. I I don't like Michigan. I don't like watching Michigan win. So it was a lot of fun watching Mark D'Antonio take another one over uh, over the the Maize and Blue. But uh, yeah, I mean, John O'Corn didn't look great, but nobody's gonna look great in a rainstorm. Uh, the Michigan offense, I, I think it is, it is striking just how bad they've been over the la- over the start of this season. I mean, the Air Force game, uh, they the offense did not look good. This is an Air Force team that has given up a lot of yards and a lot of points in, in many of their other games. I think maybe put up what five hundred some rushing yards on them last week, uh, and and Michigan could barely get anything going for the first three and a half quarters against them. So. I do think it says it, it continues that that Michigan uh, failure offensively, but outside of that, it doesn't sure, certainly doesn't tell me much about Michigan State, considering they got blown out by Notre Dame two weeks ago. I I don't know what this team is yet. So, yeah, I'll ask you, Will Greer, because that was pretty comprehensive there, Noah. Um, does Michigan have a chance at you know staying relevant in the national picture? or even the top of the Big Ten, they still have to play Penn State next week and Ohio State. You know, is their season lost after this? I think it's a little early, but it's certainly not something you can really afford. Sure. I mean, they control their own destiny. I think if it came down to it and Michigan had one at Penn State, one at Wisconsin, beat Ohio State at home, and then maybe beat Wisconsin again in the Big Ten championship game, I'm not sure how you, you leave that team out. Well, They're sure. fortunate that they still have three more they top ten games. They have chances to prove themselves. On their regular season schedule, they have three top ten games, not even including the Big Ten championship game. So I think the future is certainly ahead of them. We've seen college football playoff teams lose at home before and get in, especially in a flukish loss like that one last Saturday. So, yeah, they control their own destiny. I don't think they're that good. I don't think they'll win all three games. But if they were to win their three top ten games, win the Big Ten championship, they're probably one of the best four teams in the country. Yeah, Fair enough. I think that's accurate. I'll ask you guys, were there any other results from last week's Big Ten that stood out to you? Not seemed, one. It seemed Not one. exactly there as, was, as... There was one that partially stood out to okay. me. And now, Purdue-Minnesota was a little bit weird because there was that huge delay in the middle yeah. where it was like a close, a really close game and then Purdue pulled away. But Minnesota has not looked good over the last two weeks, man. Uh, this is a team that came off a not, a not great non-conference schedule, but they blew out all three teams on it. They looked pretty good heading into Big Ten play. They take the loss to Maryland, uh, who was already down to Bordenschlager by that point. They take the loss to Purdue. Um, Purdue, who looks sneaky good this year. I mean, that's going to be a tough game for everybody in the Big Ten West, I think. But this this Minnesota team is slipping. Uh, a team that I looked at as certainly not much worse than last year's team, although they had they have lost some key pieces. Um, they they look like they are they're starting to slip downwards, and this could be the start of a of a of a big downturn for them. So that's what I saw. How about Indiana too? They made the quarterback change. If yeah. you care about those kinds of things, Richard Lego out, Peyton Ramsey in. We saw Ramsey take Ramsey. over in the Penn State game a couple weeks ago. Ramsey will now be the starting guy. So goodbye, Mr. Lego, who looked so good against Ohio State on opening night, but yeah. his days as the starter probably done. Well, Indiana. let's look ahead. Or go ahead, Noah. I was just gonna. Yeah, I'm looking ahead a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Indiana, Michigan could be fun. Yeah, that's what week. I wanted to say. Um, you know, not a lot of great games this weekend. When you when it really comes down to it, maybe Purdue. Wisconsin because Purdue's been a, you know, a little upstart team. They've been good, 
But Indiana, new quarterback change, uh, Michigan reeling, Hoosiers at home. Do you think Indiana has a chance in this one? Sure, yeah. I'm always on the Indiana yeah. bandwagon. Their defense is really well, good. Well, they have well. a linebacker named T. Gray Scales, who's going to be a top NFL pick potentially. Simi Cobbs Jr. is the best receiver in the Big Ten statistically. Ramsey appears to be able to move the ball. Sure, 11 a.m. in Bloomington. Why not? Yeah, Cobbs has looked, man, has he looked good. Uh, in that Ohio State game, he made a couple of just phenomenal catches. Uh, I, it's just, you know, th- this Indiana team, they seem to get your hopes up. Not necessarily this one this year, but Indiana over the last four or five years seems to get your hopes up in the big games, and uh, they have not been able to close. Um, this could be different. I think Michigan is going to be mad coming off that Michigan State game. I think the one thing Harbaugh does well is beat the teams he's supposed to beat so far in his Michigan tenure. He hasn't won any big games yet, but he's beaten the teams that he's supposed to beat. Uh, largely. So I do think Michigan is going to win, although Indiana certainly has a shot, uh, especially with the way the two teams, with their recent form, the two teams, uh, of the two teams, yeah. Not a great week to be playing Michigan, yeah, to your point, not a great if you're week. Indiana. But you never know. Seven and a half in Bloomington? Bonus pick on the way, maybe? Hey, you never know. You never know. No. Well, we'll hear about it. Uh, Rutgers, Illinois, don't want to talk about it. Sorry Please to no. fans of both teams. Please no. Ohio State, Nebraska, Sorry, I think Ohio State's going to do a similar number that they did last week. How much will Ohio State score? Will they score 50s, 60s? What do we think, guys? 55. All right. Something like that. Yeah, okay, okay. And Michigan State, Minnesota, I don't think this game is interesting because I think Michigan State, while they're not that good, is good enough to take care of Minnesota. Here's something interesting about this game, Amit. If Minnesota does win, does this become the least impressive, least interesting top 25 upset in college football history? Who the heck cares yep. if Minnesota beats number 21 Michigan State? It's just a joke. <laughs> that, it's really in Minnesota. LSU's upset last, upset last week over Florida was similar to me. Well, but people you care sure? because it's a rivalry game, though. <laughs> okay, yeah. But, but fair, yeah, yeah, but in the, in, the, in the veins of just nobody yeah. outside of Lansing, of East Lansing and, uh, where is it, Minneapolis? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Minneapolis caring. Yeah, I just, yeah. 56 I, I degrees know. and rain for a oh, night game God. at TCF. I will not tune in. I will not tune in. Should be a barn burner. Well, the one game that, you know, is a little bit interesting is Purdue at Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, Wisconsin's still very heavily favored, seventh best team in the country. But Purdue has been solid this year. How can they make this an interesting game? They can't. They, I, think think they, so? I think they can. I think if they come out throwing, you know, uh, Brome has, has instituted this offense. It worked against Louisville. Uh, Louisville is not as good of a defense as Wisconsin, obviously. But they were able to stay in that game by throwing and throwing and throwing. I think they can at least partially keep pace with Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin, I think Jonathan Taylor looked, just looked so good last week uh, in that dismantling of is Nebraska, was it? the best running back in the Big Ten? N- not the best running back in the Big Ten. <laughs> just, I, he, I think he's, out the I think he's. I think he's definitely top five, maybe number four. Uh, behind Jackson, Wadley, and Barkley, um, not even going to include Ty Johnson. I think Ty, Ty Johnson's close there. Okay. He's. I think. I think the, that's the top five. I think okay, that's the top right, five right, right that's, there. That's fair. Johnson just, is very good. I, I mentioned was just him trying right. to, to get some. No, I got you. Spots. I got you. But uh, but yeah, I think Purdue can make this game interesting. Jeff Rome has proved that he can stay in games against top top competition. He did it at Western Kentucky. He did it against Louisville. I I I, I have a hard time imagining Wisconsin losing this game. They just don't. They yeah. just seem to grind opponents down. But I, I think it could be close. I think this is the type of game Purdue won't look that bad in. But like you said, Wisconsin yeah. doesn't really slip up too much. Badgers win by fourteen. Game's never in doubt. Yeah. I don't know if that counts as interesting. If that qualifies as interesting, it well, doesn't. It depends on the game something, it's something. If you if you're someone that watches multiple screens, uh, it'll always be on the whole game. 
but you will never spend more than uh, two plays or so looking that's a at good, it. That's a good. You got that's a laptop, sure. iPad, <laughs> TV, and iPhone. It's probably on the iPhone. It's probably on the iPhone. And uh, you're probably uh, texting the whole time. Sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that about does it for our Big Ten segment. Um, we'll get some exciting games soon. A lot to look forward to next week with uh, Michigan Penn State. Let's move on to the national stage. Uh, the, the, the trend of not great games has mostly continued, but some oh. really fun results uh, last week. Yeah. I actually want to start with the biggest one. Uh, Iowa State, go Cyclones, upsetting Oklahoma. Uh, I want to look at this from Oklahoma's point of view because they're you know the bigger team. Are their playoff hopes over? No. Um, Maybe. They're I in think, the Big 12. Well, I yeah. think now that the Big 12 has the championship game, which didn't, it seemed as if it wouldn't matter at the start of the season, but now that if Oklahoma can beat TCU twice, uh, I think, I, I don't think fair. you can leave them out. I think they, obviously they would have to beat Oklahoma State as well. I don't think there's any way you can leave them out if they finish the season undefeated. Will they do that? I do not yeah. think so. It's, I think they lose one to, of those it's games. It's the same way with Michigan getting through all those games. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to I don't see forecast it. Oklahoma this, getting through TCU twice and Oklahoma State. Yeah, this Oklahoma defense. I read it. I read something about it earlier today. I really wish I could credit the author, but I totally forgot where I read it. But the their run defense, their their stuff rate, or not their not their stuff rate. Their their defense in general has just been terrible at getting off the field. They've been they've allowed big plays uh, compared to other like considered top teams. They have not their secondary especially has just given up a ton of huge plays, and that happened against Iowa State. And I think it's going to come back to bite them in a Big 12 where there are plenty of quarterbacks capable of taking advantage. I mean, Kenny Trill, we got uh, we got Mason Rudolph. These, these are quarterbacks who will take advantage of this Oklahoma secondary. I think the Sooners are already done with this one loss. The Big 12 is good. But it's, it's not just great. It, it's we've so we've learned we've learned very quickly with the college football playoff that it's not getting enough respect. They have a championship game yeah. this year, but Which how are you going to be playing in that game? Uh, maybe TCU. TCU is already in the top ten. I I think if you beat that top ten team, you know you take down Oklahoma State in a rivalry game. Are they still in the top fifteen? I think they're around there, and then. Yeah. I just don't think you can leave a one-loss conference champ out of I a fourteen playoff. Wanna, Who's going to get in over them? You don't want to leave them out, but certainly right now their chances are are not Slimmed looking enough. good. Slimmed enough because you have Bama and Clemson right now. Washington or Washington State is the third. One of the Pac-12 teams, and then it's going to be the winner of the Big yeah. Ten as long yeah. as it's not someone with yeah. two losses. How about Georgia too? If Georgia yeah. goes undefeated in the regular season and they barely yeah. lose to Alabama yeah. in the SEC championship game, you'd have to. I you just might have like, to do the two SEC teams because the SEC is that good. There's no I room think, for think a one-loss right. team if you lose yeah. to. Iowa State at home. In I'm sorry, it's too bad of a loss. I think you guys are right, it's too but, bad of a loss. but we have to consider, we talk about this at the beginning of the season every year with the college yeah. football playoff, and every year a two-loss team is either in or in the conversation. It's happened each of the last two years, where yeah. where losses happen. Like, yeah. Clemson lost to Pittsburgh last year out of completely nowhere. Bama, I, I think Bama's going to lose a game this year. I don't think they're going undefeated. I, I just think that losses will come out of nowhere, and if Oklahoma gets through it unscathed, well, teams will go down. If Oklahoma gets some help, which, as you said, is bound to happen by the nature of the sport. I think they have a chance, but right now, I I would you know it's 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 always early to do the to do this. But right yeah. now, I feel confident in saying that for now they're out. I mean that's stupid. That's that I hedged it a little. They're they're not gonna make it. I, I it's tough. They're gonna have to beat. And they the other top be- team twice because yeah. obviously Iowa State is not the top team in the conference that just beat them. So if it's TCU or Oklahoma State, Oklahoma is going to have to not beat those teams once, but they're going to have to beat them twice, which is probably a tall yeah. task. And even if that happens, 
if they don't get the requisite losses, they could still be the best Big Twelve team and not get to play. Yep. Yeah, it's, we'll, it's possible. We'll see. It's it'll be interesting to keep your keep your eye on. I don't the, think they're good enough to beat TCU yeah. twice. Maybe in the regular yeah. season, but if you get them again, or even West Virginia. Game, I mean, let's yeah, not sleep on West Virginia. Gave TCU State. a battle. Will Greer. Exactly. Will Greer. Yeah. <laughs> um, other question I want to ask about this week before we move on: um, Did we learn anything from NC State versus Louisville? NC State has really impressed me. I was sleeping on them a lot at the beginning of this year, and I've, I've really liked what I've seen. And Louisville, you know, I was never too high on them. I think they are who I thought they were. Uh, no defense uh, involved yeah. there. No weapons, really. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just outside of Lamar, it, it's how, how far can the best player in college football carry a team? We're seeing it. Uh, I do, Louisville just does not have virt- – virtually has nothing around Lamar Jackson, and I think – it's, it's frustrating to watch that team play. I think NC State is good. I don't see them getting through the rest of their schedule. I see they got Notre Dame on here in two games. Notre Dame has looked really good. They I have. hate Notre Dame. I hate watching them win. They have more than four but, wins. That's that's fine. Yeah, they already have five. They looked. I mean, they, they destroyed a Michigan State team that certainly looks like a good <laughs> they're, team. They're I don't know if they're I don't know if they're really that true talent number twenty one team, but they're certainly a top forty team. And Notre Dame controlled that game from start to finish. Uh, they had the big win last week. Who were they? Pl- God, who do they play? I don't remember. They won at Carolina. At Carolina, uh, they they just demolished a bad North Carolina team, but another Power Five team. I think this is a Notre Dame team that looks good. NC State. I don't think they have enough firepower to beat Clemson. It'll be tough for them. To flip it back to NC State here quickly. This is NC State. This is one of the most uh, upset-prone teams in the history of college football, but. There's a path to the college football playoff for them, which is because kind of wild in, to think they're about. In the, the conference that they that they've would already them beat to do Louisville it. and Florida State. They beat Clemson, which is a home game at Carter Finley. They win at Notre Dame, and then if they win against, say, a Virginia Tech or a Miami in the ACC championship game, this is a one-loss team. Lost to South Carolina by a touchdown week one. Again, I don't think they're good enough to win all these games, but they if they were believe. to win out, if they are to believe in each other, they could certainly do it. And one thing that will be really fun, I think, with this podcast as it continues every week is sorting out, you know, who are the best four teams are going to make it uh, and just, you know, looking at those conference races, who's going to make the championship game. So that's that's fun. We're still a while out, so right now we're still kind of early. I want to ask you guys about the slate this week. Uh, Not a lot of really games that stand out. I don't know if there are any rank-to-rank matchups. Is that right? Guys, USC is did Utah fall out of the top twenty-five? Utah might have fallen week. out with that loss of Stanford. Yeah, I still like that game. I think USC Utah is indeed much. out. Yeah, I don't see any top twenty-five. So there's no matchups. top twenty-five, top twenty-five matchups. But convince me that uh, I should watch college football this Saturday, well, instead of going to historic McGrath Phillips Arena for some DePaul volleyball, Northwestern volleyball. Something crazy will happen. Uh, okay, and my. The, the, the upset that I see as potentially the most prevalent is Washington State at Cal is what I'm going to okay. go with here. This is a Cal team that has looked sneaky good. They hung with uh, USC for a couple of quarters. Now, that they're way ahead of schedule with the, with the new head coach. They were supposed to have a very down year this year. But they've looked really good to start the season. Washington just demolished them, but it was at Washington. It was a late-night game. It's a, t- it's a tough game for them to play. They're, Washington State has to come to Cal. This is a game where they could potentially get up for it. Uh, could be a little bit of a trap game for Washington State coming off of uh, the big upset uh, last week. I think it was last week. Yeah, last week. Um, I think Cal has a chance to pull one off this week, and I think they're regardless of whether they do it or not, there will at least be some barn burners in this slate, whether it's uh, 
Whether it's the Northwestern Maryland game, that could be one of the most fun games of the week. Uh, San Diego State Boise State in lower and lower conference action could be a lot of fun to watch. True. I, I'm not. I mean, if you if there's something you got to do on a Saturday and you've been putting it off for a couple weeks, this week is the week to yeah. do it. I'd like to say that TCU Kansas State screams out to me. Uh, 58-52. Just going to say the same <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah, this is a TCU team that beat Kansas by a point last year on the road. They are prone uh, to some yeah. upset kind of results. They could lose. That's a uh, Kansas State. You know, you never know what could happen. Um, Will any any games or narratives that you want to circle? Yeah, first on that on that Washington game, you'll be able to go to historic McGrath Phillips and still get back for for most of that game. Pac-12 so after dark, I think that's a great option from Noah that, that Noah just gave you. I think there are plenty of of kind of interesting games. That Indiana Michigan game could be kind of interesting to put a fork in the. Uh, Put a fork in the Wolverines. My beloved Virginia Cavaliers are trying to get to 5-1. and one. Three-point favorites on the road at North Carolina. A lot of mediocre football this weekend, but bad, it's one of the biggest really cliches bad. in the sport. These are the weekends when some crazy stuff happens, so you never know. Virginia's, really Virginia's only favored by three in that game? Yeah, it's Virginia. I might have to change my lock. I might have to change your lock. Well, North Carolina's looked terrible this year. Let's get to that. It's that time of the week. My favorite segment, as always, the ADT Lock of the week. Lock your house. Lock your pick. This is what I live for, guys. Let's start off by reviewing what happened last week. Uh, we were 2-0, which is something we haven't done in a while. Austin locked Texas A&M against Alabama. They were 27.5-point underdogs. They lost, but it was closer than that. And Henry locked the Miami Hurricanes at minus 3 against Florida State, and they took care of business against the Knolls. WNR as a station is now 9-5-1. Uh, we can review some of those side picks they made. They didn't count them as official picks. Henry picked Michigan. Did not work so well. Maybe Yikes. if you were locking a, a small safe outside of your home, you would have lost the contents. But that being said, you guys are here to make some more locks, to make the theoretical listeners some more theoretical money. Not so theoretical listeners. True on the second part. Let's get one lock each. We'll start from there. No, I want to start with you. What is your lock of the week? Uh, I think Virginia North Carolina is probably a better pick wow. for this. A better oh, pick, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not okay, going to do it. Okay. I'm going to go with my. I'm going to go with what my original pick was, which I don't know. I don't feel too good about this one, but I am going to lock it in. TCU over Kansas State. Okay. Um, now this is a TCU team that's certainly upset prone, but I think that that upset that, that that proneness is being reflected in the line. I think four and a half is ridiculous for a Kansas State team that TCU, of course, favored by four and a half for a Kansas State team that has looked atrocious in these last three games that they've played. They lost to Vanderbilt, a team that has gotten blown out in three consecutive weeks. They they only beat a Baylor, which might be the worst, not let alone Power Five. They might be the worst FBS team. That's not really true, but they're terrible. They only beat them by 13. That game was close until the end. They just lost to Texas uh, in a game that many thought that they would. Ha- that Bill Snyder, I mean Bill Snyder's owned that game. Many thought they would win. I think this Kansas State team came into the season overhyped, and that's still showing up a little bit. And I just don't think they're, they're as good as previous years. Now I know the Big 12 very upset prone. A lot of things can happen, but. I just think the TCU has so much more talent than this Kansas State team. I think Bill Snyder might be starting to lose it a little bit. You know, the man is getting old. We say, people say that every year, but he's really old now. I don't know. I, I just think that TCU is at such a different place in their season than Kansas State, which could be a sign for an upset, but I just think that the talent differential is too large in this one. I got TCU. Lock it in. There you have it. TCU from Noah. Will, are we going to make Noah pick with the now updated six-point spread? Do you still like TCU minus six? Um, Let's find out how confident you are about this pick. 
Uh, if it's six, it's a missed call still, on which line you have to use. Jeez, uh, I'll, I'll do. I'll give you minus four and a half. I'll, I would still do it with six. It'd be less of a lock. Okay. I feel I'd feel better about the Virginia game with with. The three. It's oh, wow. I gave you the lines and what they were, so you get the lock at minus four and a half. You know, half. obviously right. the but gambling the public list, is with but me. But for the listeners out there, you know, maybe just keep that in mind. Maybe keep that in mind. You stay away from that six. I, if I were if I were using the, real theoretical money, I would not be using that theoretical money on a line of six. That's okay. all I have to that's, say. Hey, that's good to know. Will, what's your lock of the week? Really quickly, a plug for Sunbelt football. Troy, 18-point favorite tonight against <laughs> South Alabama. As we record, 19-0 USA leading Troy on the road. That's a Troy team that just beat LSU. This might be a crazy week, fellas. It's starting on Wednesday night. A 38-point like swing there with the spread. Belt, fun belt action. Fun, fun belt. belt. Troy action. coming off the win at LSU. Clearly, they parted a little bit too much down in Troy, Alabama last week and a half. My lock, this is a pretty easy one. I picked this each of the last three years. I've won each of the last three years. Always pick the underdog of the Red River rivalry. Always pick it. Texas plus 7.5 against Oklahoma. This is an elite, elite Texas defense. you got to figure Oklahoma is going to be a little bit flat after what they did last week. Not to mention this Oklahoma team won a one-possession game against winless Baylor, lost to a really bad Iowa State team. I don't know that I buy that they're that good. I think Texas is a little underrated. Texas getting seven and the hook in the neutral site game. Cotton Bowl, Texas State Fair. What more could you want? Longhorns are going to be pumped up. They'll cover seven and a half all day. Rivalry game. That's all I need to say. Baker Mayfield's going to be mad. He's going to be Rivalry upset. game. Rivalry Texas game. plus Rivalry seven game. and a half. Rivalry game. This will, is the easiest lock in the history. Will flags be planted, Wilker? Probably not. <laughs> you think Probably we're, done? You think we're done with that? I hope we're flags. done with the flags. <laughs> but Texas so. could win the football game, and if they do, sure, why not in the rivalry game? Plant the yeah. flag. Okay. I think Texas could win the football game. We have like seven flags. Let's up the ante on right. this one. Hey, you never know. Bonus? Time for bonuses? Yeah, let's let's Ooh, get into okay. some fun. These don't count officially unless unless you really want them to. I wouldn't recommend it. Let, let's just give the listeners, you know, your little bit of extra advice on what you guys like this week. Got two. Okay. I'll start with Georgia. Minus 30 at home against a Missouri team that has really, really struggled. Georgia seems to cover the spread every single week, despite the fact that the spread keeps increasing because they are really darn good, it appears. Missouri might not score a point in this game. I like Georgia in the night game in Athens, Georgia. And I also like Coastal Carolina going on the road. They're getting 19.5 against Arkansas State. Chanticleer's been playing some good football, first season in the FBS. Give me Coastal. Arkansas State's looking ahead. They got a big game next week. I got all Power Five matchups for mine. I got I got three more. Oh, I love that. You I, guys are so ambitious. This is what I. This is why I'm so excited for you. For I love segment. I love that Virginia line. It's just so tantalizing to me. North Carolina. Uh, don't be fooled. North Noah. Carolina's one and five. I've been watching Virginia my whole life. I've seen this atrocious story football team. Now I'm gonna. If I put it in as a teaser, the line the lines go. I, I get I get better lines, right? I don't know if you can do teasers with. I won't, I won't tease it. I won't I'm tease sure, it. I'm I won't sure tease you it. could. Anyways, I That's love, a, you might I love ha- Virginia in that game. I think they win that game, lose their last six, miss a bowl. Um, would be fantastic. Not really. I'm so, I'm so sorry. Will. I don't care. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, but I, I like that line. I like Ohio State. Uh, Twenty four is a lot. Nebraska got blown out by Wisconsin. They're they're they have not looked like a very good football team. I think Ohio State is dominant. I think they're going to take Nebraska by more than twenty four. And one more I was looking at was, um, oh, U- USC Utah. Uh, I like. I think. I think Utah is is thirteen point underdogs, and I think they're gonna they're gonna keep it inside of thirteen. Yeah, I think I that's like gonna that be. A, I think that's a one score yeah. game for sure. 
Uh, Utah, I mean, US, USC, not really great against the spread. Yeah, I like that USC, pick a lot. No, USC like has been, lot. hasn't been great. They've played a lot of close games. I don't think Darnold's going to be able to pull away from the Utes. So I like that one. Well, there you have it. A lot of picks that we feel confident about. Keep in mind those two locks, TCU and Texas. We'll check back in next week. This has been another great episode of Moving the Chains, guys. Thanks a lot for coming on for Episode 7. Will Greer, as always, great work. And Noah, happy to have you. Hopefully it's the start of a very fruitful podcasting career at WNUR. Thanks for listening. On behalf of Will Greer and Noah Kaufman, I'm Amit Malik. This has been Moving the Chains on WNUR Sports.